Welcome back to another episode of the Play for Keys podcast. I'm Cameron Hay at Cameron underscore Hay on Twitter. And of course, I'm joined by Drew Williams at Dope is Drew on Twitter. We have a special guest this week, Chicago legend, point guard Jerome Randall at Handle by Randall on Instagram. How you been? How you living? Been good, man. Just trying to deal with this rehab, um, ACL injury, and, uh, and I got a couple more months to go, then I'm, I'm back at it giving people problems. I saw earlier today, you, you were in the gym earlier training some kids earlier, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's what I'm doing. You know, I think uh, me training has been something that's helped me along, you know, the way with this, um, you know, with this injury because I'm not too focused on it. You know, I can put my focus on something else and I feel like that's really sped up the process because I'm not harping on it. You yeah. know, I'm still being, you know, proactive and I'm still helping, you know, while I'm helping myself. Facts. So, how did you like get into basketball? Where was your introduction to it? Um, it was really, I didn't have a choice. Bro. Like, <laughs> my dad was a hooper. Um, you know, growing up, even when I, you know, when I was one, two years old, and you know, I was going to games like park to park, watching him play. You know, and I mean, I was drawn to it. I didn't really have a choice but to, you know, hoop. So, it was just who I was, who I am. So I'm from Chicago, so I'm already hip to all the, you know, history when it comes to Chicago hooping. But I feel like when you were in Chicago in high school, the guard play was like as good as anywhere in America. I'm talking D. Rose, Sharon Collins, Demetri McCamey, Pat Bev. Even out in the Burbs, you had like John Shire and all yeah. that. What comes to mind when you think of Chicago guards? To me, the best, the best. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean. I will never put another city over uh, Chicago. You know, when you look at, you know, Muhammad Ali, you can you can say that, yeah, he was great at boxing, but he was great at boxing dealing with all the things that he was dealing with off the court too. Right. So with all the obstacles that he was dealing with and, you know, the slavery and, you know, just being, you know, treated like shit, you know, he still came and performed. You know, being drafted into the you know the military and things like that, and I kind of look at that it's the same as like Chicago basketball. People don't understand what we dealt with outside the court. Right. You get what I'm saying? It's still happy to you know um, use that as our scapegoat, use it as something just to get away and you know stay off the streets. You know, we still had to go out and perform. You know, so I don't think it's no tougher basketball than Chicago, and not to mention that we just had some flat out killers during that time. Yeah, you know, so. Um, like you mentioned, Sharon, Pat Bell, Dimitri McCamey, um, Darren McKinstry, uh, right. John Shire, um, D. Rose. Uh, we had some, some killers in that class, man. And yeah. like you, you wasn't ducking no action, bro. Right. You wasn't right. ducking no action. You had to you had to meet them at some point. Because if you was ducking, and some coach was going to make sure that you was going to play against them. You know right. What I'm so, right. And so you mentioned how. You got drawn into the game by your pops and everything, going around seeing him play and everything like that. Was was there any player in Chicago besides your father, maybe, when you were real young that you, like, followed heavily, that you looked up to kind of in a sense as um, far as that game? It really attracted you. You were attracted to that game. To be honest, man, if, if it wasn't on TV, like, it was my father, bro. Like, right. you know, it was Michael Jordan or my father right. like, because – those are the two guys that I saw play. I never really seen the college basketball game. Um, it was some guys in the hood. My cousin, actually, who I got on my arm, who passed away. It, it would be my dad and my uh, my cousin. You know, my cousin basically was the one who spent, you know, countless hours with me. You know, taking me to the park, making me shovel snow. You know, so we can hoop and things like that. So it was those two that you know I idolized growing up. If it wasn't you know a professional athlete. So you you were outside in in, in the winter time still hooping, yeah, bro. Like it wasn't, you know. I stayed on 104th and Wabash, and I had to walk all the way to Corliss High School with a shovel to shovel the snow so we can hoop. Frost bit like it was, it was brutal, man. No gloves and shit. <laughs> it was wild, man. But you know, I appreciate those times because you know it was it was tough, man. I mean, it just defines Chicago basketball. Like you know, we had to still figure out a way. We ain't had. Sunny, shiny, 
California where you play all year round. Yeah. You know, like during the winter, we still had to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's how it was, man. No excuses. Right. And speaking of sunny California, I know we talked a little bit beforehand, but you purchased a court out here in L.A. and, you know, settling into the L.A. community, training a lot of kids. Yeah. Talk about what made you, you know, decide to, you know, buy a court and um, I mean, just with my boy, um, Deshaun, you know, um, Determined Athletics, I mean, you know, we go back 23 years, man, since we was a uh, small fry. And um, I see how great he was doing out here. And, you know, I was introduced to this area where, you know, Irvine area from uh, my agent at, at the time. And, um, you know, when I met, you know, Jay Law and I found out that DT was closed then, you know, I started to pay close attention to what he was doing because it's been so long. And he basically built the empire, you know, so, you know, we chopped it up, you know, I, I done clinics, you know, a lot of clinics in uh, in Australia and he flew out and he, you know, he did one of my clinics. And uh, from that point on, it, you know, it was just countless, you know, just talks of, you know, moving forward when I finished playing basketball and I'm like, I don't want to wait until I finish, like I want to start building right now, you know, so um, I just let him know that, you know, I'm really serious about it. I mean, he knew because he see what I do outside of basketball, and he already built his own empire. So, you know, he basically gave me the red carpet treatment to how I can be successful in this business. And not a lot of people is going to give you that. Not a lot of people are going to reach out to you because they threatened by you because of who I am, you know what I'm saying, and, and being a professional athlete. But, you know, this dude is teaching me something that I've never even, you know, done. And I'm right. teaching him some things as well. So. I just think you just got the best of both worlds, and you know, I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to come in here and train kids, and just you know continue to just build my legacy off the board. Was, was training something that you always envisioned yourself getting into? Yeah, man. I, to be honest, man, like I always like to teach, yeah. like the game. You know, what I'm saying I've got I've I've received that from my coach, uh, Miss Foster. I don't know if you guys. I heard of her, you know, from Chicago, you know, just her drive and, you know, her caring about, you know, the kids that she do right now at 67 and she's still training, you know what I'm saying? Her looking out for me when I lived in the church, you know what I'm saying? Family struggling a little bit like she was there, you feel me? So, you know, from what she did to me, for me as a kid, you know, I just felt like, you know, I picked up on a lot, you know, from, from her. And, you know, it just became something that I love to do. And I get the same amount of joy as training and helping kids as I do as playing basketball. Man, I feel like every guard that came up in Chicago from 99 to now, you at least have a few sessions with Miss Foster. When you were shorty, sharpening the tool, whenever. One thing I remember, I worked out with Miss Foster a few times. Really? Let me tell you, she doing that drill where you keep your head up. Yeah. And she tell you, you look down, I'm going to poke you in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Miss yeah. Foster to death, man. It's not too many out, out here she like keep her, it real. man. And, and I think she's too real for the parents now nowadays. You know, everybody is soft. Everybody is, you know, they try to protect their kids. But, I mean, how, how far would you, you know what I'm saying? Like, how long can you protect your child? That's a fact. You can't yeah, protect no. them forever. You know, if you try to protect them while they they, they children, understand it's going to be hard for them once they get older because they've been protected their whole life. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? It wasn't like that for us. Like, our parents didn't step in when we was being chastised by coaches. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to understand how we was brought up. It was just totally different. Like, you know what I'm saying? We They allowed us to be, you know, chastised. They allowed us to be, you know, um, you know, yelled at or coached hard or whatever the case is. But now, like, parents are stepping in. They, you know what I'm saying? They taking away from kids growing up and understanding that it's going to be tough once you leave your mom's house. But that's why you see a lot of kids struggle when they leave. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot of, especially a lot of Chicago kids, man. We don't have a lot that, you know, actually sustain, you know what I'm saying, being a professional. Like, you know, because a lot of them have been sheltered for so long. And it's happening all over the world, man. So... The game has changed tremendously, man, and I appreciate her because she stayed the course. She's still the same person, you know, and, and parents that want the best for their child, they stay with her. Like, you know what I'm saying? They make sure that their kids is 
is training with her because she gonna keep it a, a hundred every time. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, she's 67 and then we talk every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so you talking about training and how it's something that you just, you get a, as much joy out of training kids as you do as playing. Do you see yourself ever even getting into something like coaching as well? Or do you want to? Me, I wouldn't want to coach. <laughs> I not? wouldn't want to coach because to me, it's no stability in coaching. Like, I want to be able to move how I want to move. Right. You get what I'm saying? I want to be able to, like, once you become a coach, at some point you have to be political. Like, you have to yeah. um, tell people that you got to go. I'm firing you. You can't do this. You can't do yeah. it. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, I want to I wanna um, be able to, to, to help the kids, tutor them and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, show them, you know, the way of being a professional. You know, coaches a lot of times don't have that, you know, the time to do that. And, you know, they get fired. They get, like, you're not firing me as a as a trainer. No. I can move. I can go however I want to go. You know what I'm saying? I can build how I want to build. I don't work for nobody. I work for myself. So I'd rather for it to be like that because I've been traveling around for 10 years and probably going on to 13, 14 years and, I don't want to do that no more. I want to move how I want to move. Coaching, I don't feel like I'd be able to. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, I want to backtrack a little bit. And we were talking a little bit beforehand, but you played AAU with D Rose for the yeah. Ferrari yeah. club, and you got one national before EYBL yeah. got started. Who do you remember as far as like pro, the big time team? You guys won the national championship before EYBL and everything got split up into the shoe companies. What pros do you remember playing on the circuit that year to you guys winning the national championship? Or did y'all just run over everybody and nobody really comes to mind? Well, we really was just running over a lot of people, <laughs> Like, you couldn't lose a game. Like, if you lost, then you was basically out. Like, right. we went that whole circuit not losing the game. And we played, um, there's a lot of people, bro. There's a lot of dudes. It's crazy when you look back you don't really know who they are, but now, like, you start to, you know, meet them now, and they be like, man, we, we played, I was I was this person, like, damn, that was you? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy how, like, shit just turn around. Like, you know what I'm saying? You end up meeting people down the line. I didn't know Tawan Porter was, you know, the Detroit team, the little short dude, right. you know what I'm saying, was getting buckets. Like, it was just a lot of dudes, man, that, you know, that was killers. Um, Scotty uh, Reynolds. You know, it was the Went beast. To Villanova? Yeah, yeah, Villanova, yeah. Greg Oden, um, Mike Conley. Right. Um, bro, it was a lot of dudes, bro. Like, we played against a lot of cats, man. That was John Shire. And you name it, like, we played against everybody. You know, and uh, me, D Rose, a lot of them cats, man. We used to go to these tournaments, man. We used to get busy, dog. We <laughs> had a whip. What was so special about that Ferrari team? At the end of the day, we still had to go back to the lives that we was living. You get what I'm saying? So when we finally got a chance to practice together and, 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 and spend weekends and stuff together, like we really enjoyed those the best best times of my life because we didn't it wasn't it wasn't nothing but kids just having fun and just really enjoying the game. Like we wasn't being hidden from nobody. Like we was being put out there to show everybody that we we are as good as, you know, we say we are. You know what I'm saying? Like our coaches wanted us to play against the best out here in the in the country. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't no EYBL or this, no shoe company that was hiding me from this. Like, bro, we had to see everybody. Like, that's just how it was. So right. that was the joy of playing AAU when I was, you know, coming up because at some, some point, bro, like, you had to see the best. You know what I'm saying? And they was coming to this tournament. Like, Rome, you know, uh, the Wisconsin tournament got this, this person, that person, that one. I'm like, we in there, let's go. We yeah. You right. couldn't duck it. We we ain't wanna duck it. Like yeah. we ain't from yeah. we, we from Chicago. What we ducking? Yeah. You right. can duck no smoke, bro. You gonna <laughs> you gonna lose battles, man. Like it, yeah. it is what it is, bro, but we ain't ducking. And like like Drew was naming earlier, all those point guards that came up around the same time as you guards, I figured when you go on the road, you already seen killers as it is in your own city so it's nothing to really even be ducking or be afraid of once you get on the road you couldn't bro yeah. like because you gotta understand the summertime when you have the the local tournaments in chicago everybody was at that tournament yeah and right. so if you feeling that chicago got the best guards and the toughest basketball 
bro, we going to another state. Like, we, we don't look at nobody as being tougher than us. So we was just coming, running everybody out the gym. That's just how we, that was our mentality. He rose was a shorty, you know, one, two years younger than everybody, but his game was two years ahead of everybody. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's just who he was. He was that athlete at the same age. Yeah, bro. Like, he was sixth, seventh grade dunking. Like, <laughs> couldn't nobody really stop dude. Like, and, and to be honest, a lot of them dudes were scared of him. Like, you feel me? They knew it. They knew who he was. So, you know what I'm saying? We was fast. Like, we just played a fast-paced game. Yeah, like, I can imagine the backcourt having you and D-Rose. Like, y'all bad. getting up crazy, and down the floor. Bro. Getting up and down the floor every possession. Yeah, it was wild. But to step away from AAU to go back to high school, you won two rings yeah. in high school with Nate Manoy. And your senior year, you got added JaVale McGee mm-hmm. and didn't win that year. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen the clip, but can you talk about what – went wrong with that team because I remember talking to Coach London our, your former coach my former coach about what went wrong with that team but what do you think went wrong with that team I just think that as great of a talent as JaVale was he wanted to be a player that he didn't need to be on a team that we had Okay. like we needed him to be the big in the middle right. he didn't want to play in the middle he wanted to shoot threes and dribble and, and all this crazy stuff. So we bumped heads a lot, man. Like, in the last game to go down state, like, I still remember that play, bro. Like, it's on YouTube. He, he, he jumped, jumped to steal a pass. He jumped, like, and we told him, like, you know, yo, JaVale, stay and protect the basket. It was five seconds. They had to get the ball from that, that corner and score there. So they threw it in the corner. Me and D trapped the corner. The dude literally just threw the pass to half court. JaVale came from all the way under the basket to try to steal the ball at half court. Left the, pass, left the goal. The dude ran by himself, just laid it up for game. That would have been out. Like, we would have went down state in one state. That would have been the third, you know, state championship. And, bro, it was just bad, bro. Like, <laughs> like we just we wanted to kill this dude, man. Like... <laughs> But he know, like, he knew it was stupid. But, I mean, we, me and JaVale cool right now, man. But, you know, we was young. You know how it is when you're young, man. Like, we full of, like, anger. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, anything tick us off. But we bumped heads a lot, man, because, you know, uh, it, it was so bad with me and him that our coach, our uh, teacher got so tired of us arguing about who's going to be this and who's going to be that that he just told all of us to just leave class and just go to the gym and, and we play one on one. Y'all know who won, right? right. <laughs> he know who won. Yeah. So, yo, those first two state titles. Can you talk about those those teams that actually did win? Yeah, man. We had some. We had some older cats, man. That was some, some straight killers, man. We had, you know, Nate Hood, Nate Manoy, Blake Craft, Vale Richardson, Mike Robinson. Mike Robinson. Yeah, I heard some, a lot about that day. We had some dudes, bro. Like, we had some killers. Gerard Haynes. I didn't even make the team, bro. I didn't make the team first off as a freshman. They, I didn't even make the team. You had to play JV? I had to, yep. I was playing um, Fuss Off. And um, my team went like 31 and 1, bro. And we ended up winning the championship. And they called me up. I remember being at White Castle. Uh, <laughs> For real, I was with a chick, and uh, I get a call like, "We planning the dipper tonight. Come, you come to the game." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> the dipper? Like the dipper's the like the tournament? That's the shit. That's the Chris. Like, everybody playing. Everybody planning the dipper. So I'm like, damn, I'm about to go play in the dipper. Well, I went there. Bro, my little ass was out there dribbling around everybody. Man, ended up getting elbow. Had the biggest knot on my forehead, like that big. It was crazy, man. So, yeah, man, we ended up winning um, state title that year. And uh, we won it. I was the freshman on the, like, on the front cover of the, uh, the newspaper, like, <laughs> laying it out and shit like that. Yeah, so it was cool, man. Junior year, we won it again with uh, basically the same team. Uh, but it was cool, man. I enjoyed that, that moment, man. Senior year was just... It was us, just me and my boys, we got got it in, man. We, it was our time to take control and uh, try to kind of set our mark and be like, you know, we was the dude, so. Mm-hmm. But we ended up losing, because JaVale. 
<laughs> what brought a guy from Chicago to Cal Berkeley? Because I remember you were looking at Tulsa, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah you know, a they, lot, were, they were down. They were <laughs> your final two. Well, my only school I wanted to go to was Illinois because of D. D. Brown. Okay. okay. D. Brown was my idol. Like you called a guard in the country, damn near. To me, that was like right. I wanted to be D. Brown. Like you know, what I'm saying that's when I started getting into college basketball, and he was tanned up, bro. Like you know, what I'm saying they had an article about me and him, delightful comparison, Randall and D. Brown, and I'm like, I want to go to Illinois. They went and recruited me. I was like third on their list. They wanted Shire, Sharon. Yeah. And so when Shy with the Duke and Sharon with the Kansas, then they wanted to offer me, and I'm like, I'm cool. Like I, I had too much like pride for that shit. Like, too. and they never made you. They didn't make you a priority. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I didn't like that. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The same with DePaul. DePaul went after Will Walker. Like I felt like that was a slap in the face. Will Walker wasn't better than me. Like you know what I'm saying? Who else? Uh, Marquette. Marquette didn't want. They they offered me early and they came back and offered me after like so all them schools that wasn't you know what I'm saying trying to get me early and make me a priority I'm like forget it I'm yeah. cool and so I went down to Michigan State um, for Midnight Madness they invited me and my family down and they was about to offer me my sophomore year Michigan State no but I don't Tom think Izzo. a lot of people Izzo yeah. and assistant coach um, Doug Wojcik. He ended up leaving to go to Tulsa as a head coach. And he told Izzo that he want me there at his college. And me and him established a good relationship. And that's why Tulsa was you know, high on my list okay. as colleges. But uh, Dennis Gates, is from he played at Whitney Young. And uh, he went to Cal okay. four years basketball. And he was recruiting me at Cal. And that's when I, that junior year, man, I had that breakout year for uh, AAU. Right. And they was there. And they offered me, came down. I'm to my mom, like, this is where I want to be. And uh, yeah, man, I, I picked Cal. Definitely. You know the damage I did when I was there, so. Definitely. So, speaking of the damage you did at Cal, your freshman year, you, you shot 30% from three, but your sophomore year, you jumped all the way up to 39%. Mm-hmm. And just your overall production, everything jumped from from freshman to sophomore year. And then, of course, you became yeah. the scorer you, that they knew you as in the Pac-10 at the time, mm-hmm. your junior senior year. What was the – what caused that leap in between your freshman and sophomore year? Was it just a year of experience in the program, or what was it? Nope. Well, nothing like that. It was more so – I didn't feel like the coach was – he didn't give me the opportunity to just be me. Like, you know, he wanted me to be a point guard to just pass, 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 pass. So a lot of the shots that I was taking, it was like, man, I'm going to shoot it. Like, dude, I'm not going to keep passing the ball. Like, I want to <laughs> shoot the ball. So, you know, didn't really understand the game, man. If you watch me and Hales, like, we was just spread. I'm going one-on-one. I'm taking people off. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't understand pick and roll. Really didn't understand the game like I needed to as a freshman, but – I was a pure scorer, bro. Like, I just knew how to score. And I had games that I had 20-something as a freshman. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But the coach would put a stop to it. You know, I don't need you to do this. I saw Tawan Porter killing it. Like, and it pissed me off. I see him in, in these magazines. And I'm like, dude, I'm better than this dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is he getting all this love? And I'm here I am over here passing to everybody. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not feeling this, bro. Like, sophomore year, got a little more leeway. Uh, I started, but then I wasn't, like, because the coach just, I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. So after my sophomore year, I was out. Like, I was going to Florida State. You was, you were thinking about transferring? Ain't no thinking. It was over. Like, I was I was going. I couldn't play for him no more. Like, dude, I knew I was, like, the work that I put in the summertime, like, I knew, like, that work was, wow. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was know. crazy and ready to, like, kill, like, destroy. Yeah. And... I'm like, I can't play for him no more. So he ended up getting fired. Like, I don't wish nobody getting fired, but it was the best thing that happened to me yeah. because I was out. But then they hired Mike Montgomery, and he was like, you know, just give me a chance or whatever the case is. And he's like, I'm going to let you, you know, be yourself. And it was over from now. I know that percentage shot up. Like, oh, yeah, and, and the scoring and everything, you went from, I think, 11 points your sophomore year to yeah. 18, 19 in yeah, the last I two was, years. I was killing that. And, yeah, the percentage is crazy efficient, like, yeah. the way you were scoring. 
and yeah. Shit. yeah, it was crazy. So it's funny you bring up Tawan Porter. You played in the Pac-10, not yeah. this Pac-12 stuff yeah. now, but Pac-10 every night. You got Aaron Brooks, Tawan Porter, Isaiah Thomas, Collison, Westbrook. You know. Jared Bayless, you got a different guard. May, uh, oh, you got a different guard you got to deal with every night. In the Pac-10, you don't got no nights off at the point guard, mm-hmm. especially, like, you know, scoring guards coming yeah. at you every night. Talk about who do you remember gave you the most trouble at, at Cal? It would be Derek Collison. Derek Collison abused me, though. Really? Yeah, he, abused okay. he abused me because he just knew the game. Like, I couldn't shake this dude. Like, <laughs> Not, I couldn't shake him, like, with my handle. I mean, he mentally beat me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just a pure talent. But he was a, a good talent, and he was smart. And he had a great system. Right. You know, so yeah, my sophomore year, like, it wasn't really nothing I could do with this dude. Right. Once I became a junior, <laughs> then things changed because I was stronger, I was faster, I was... You know, I start to understand the game. So those matchups with me and him just got crazy. You know what I'm saying? And he would he would say it. He he come up to me and he told me like, bro, this toughest matchup I had. Like, you know what I'm saying? So hearing that from guys that I know that you know that made to the league, even though I know I'm I'm league material for sure. Like it just give me that you know reassurance that I know I'm you that nice, bro. You that I'm right. nice. What was you know, what was it like? Like just playing, like you said, night to night, just that many those type of guards you were playing, like that type of bump you getting in the pack ten, like just it was the same as growing up as a kid. Yeah, that's like, exactly. It wasn't nothing like yeah. different. And the reason right. why I wanted to go to the pack ten is because it was guard heavy. Yeah. Like I needed to be somewhere where it was the best talent. Yeah. I couldn't I I couldn't imagine ducking anybody. That's some soft shit, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, Excuse yeah. my language. No, you nah, fine. You good. It's some good. soft shit, bro. Like I don't, I don't see why people would want to duck any type of talent. If I know the best guys are in the gym, bro, I'm trying to get in the gym. Yeah, I'm not going to another gym where it's five good guys, but it's 15 over there. Like I gotta go over there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So why people? I don't see why people duck and smoke. Like I knew the Pac-10 was on another level. So. I was going to pack 10. I told my mom, I can't go to Tulsa. I worked too hard to go to a small school. That's right. You feel me? She was upset. Like, she wanted me because she felt like this dude was going to look out for me, and which I know he was, but I'm like, my I worked too hard. Like, Tulsa was probably closer to home, too, wasn't it? Oklahoma? I mean, Oklahoma, yeah. kind of. Closer kind of. to Cal, yeah, but still, I wasn't going to Fuck that. <laughs> I, needed, I needed all that smoke, bro. Like, I wasn't brought up like that to duck it, so I had to go and face that. Definitely. You feel me? And Isaiah Thomas, another one, like, he was a problem. Yeah. Shorty was a problem. And why I respect him is because he came in as a freshman and had no fear. Like, he had zero fear. I mean, it's obvious how he is right now. Like, the dude had no fear whatsoever. Like, you knew he was coming. Yeah. And you can tell when someone, like, want all the smoke. Like, I want whatever you got, bro. Like, you got to bring it. I'm telling you. Yeah. He, I mean, he told me that, too. He was like, you know, I was one of the guys he looked up to, you know, in college because of what I was doing and how successful I was and stuff like that. So you know, I appreciate people saying shit. And so when you finished your four years at Cal, like, you just named all these pros you have played against. What was the process afterwards, like, as far as trying to get into the NBA and everything like that? You see these guys that you played against, you held your own everything else against like what is that NBA process of trying to get into the league and everything like what went how did that go for you dude I like I get player of the year I go to Portsmouth I get MVP at Portsmouth all-time leading score at Cal and I had someone representing me more like a street agent type dude you know what I'm saying so and I believed in them because I didn't really trust men because of my dad, because my dad went around. So um, I finally let my guards down, you know, for this dude. And um, he was looking out, like he was looking out for, you know, me and my family and shit like that. So, you know, I consider him as, you know, a father. And once that process came around, you know, uh, ages and all of that, man, I'm a shorty, I don't know shit about none of this. Like my mama don't know nothing about it, my dad not around. so. 
I'm listening to everything that he's telling me. You feel me? And we end up signing with an agency. I'm thinking, yes, you're signing with an agency because it's the best agency for me. But he signed with the agent because the agent was going to allow him to make decisions. Yeah. I didn't find this out till Absolutely. later on. Yeah. Right. So once draft night come around, I'm told that the Rockets in, in uh, Toronto wanted to draft. And now, mind you, I just got MVP of Portsmouth, which yeah. is huge. Aaron Brooks was the only point guard under contract from Houston. So he turned down the picks. They were second round picks, though. Yeah, agent turned them down. Yes. This is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Agent turned them down, but he ended up turning them down initially. Yeah. If it was them, they would have called me because I never talked to them during that night. Yeah. You know, they never got on the phone with me and was like, listen, Jerome. The Rockets only have one point guard under contract right now. I think this would be a great opportunity for you to take this pick. Yeah. All right. Never received a call. I didn't talk to them. It was like he was on the phone with them. I'm believing everything. Yeah. You feel me? So it was like it's better to be undrafted than to go in the second round. We didn't get drafted. So it was like because you can pick whatever team you want to play, play with in summer league. So we go that route. We go summer league, and I'm in Orlando, and all I keep hearing is everybody know you can score. They want to see you be a point guard. They want to see you fucking get everybody involved and this and that. And, bro, that shit had me just mentally done, bro. Like, bro, I couldn't be nobody but Jerome. Like, the only reason why y'all looking at me is because of me being me. You feel me? So I go to Orlando, and I'm – just out of sync. I'm passing up shots. When I do shoot it, there's no confidence there. Like, I was ready to go and tear that shit up. Like, you feel me? And then we got uh, Patrick Ewan as assistant coach. I mean, a head coach at the time. Like You saw the magic and everything? Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, his son's on the team. So, you know, he was letting him rock out and this and that. And and, uh, who was that? Uh, D'Antoni? Was it? No, it wasn't D'Antoni. The short dude. He got a brother in the um, league, too. Dan Gundy. Van Gundy. Yeah. Right. He come up to me because Ryan Anderson was on the team at the time and me and him came in cow together. Yeah. Right. So they like, you know, we gonna be the next Jameer. That's what they telling me. So I don't talk to Van Gundy until the last game. He come to me and say, This is your spot to lose. And I'm sitting there like this a bitch. Yeah. He tell me, say it's your spot to lose and Every time you come off the screen, I want you to look to score. He told me this the last game. I just stunk up the fucking shit three games in a row. You know what I'm saying? Here I am, like, if he told me this, like, I would have fucking been killing that shit. I'm coming off looking to pass to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Because I got people in my ear. They want you to be a PG. They want you to be this and be that. And. It was just bad. Like it did. I didn't help myself. I didn't have the right people telling me, "Yo, just be you." If they don't want you for you, then it is what it is. So I end up get the call from Sam Cassell, and they like, "I want you to come over here and be with the Wizards." Who's number one pick? John Wall. Yeah. Right. Fly down to to uh, Washington, <laughs> and we practicing and. I'm getting down, like getting busy, dog, like getting busy, you know, so they fucking with me, they talking to me, like everything was good, like when we was in Washington, bro, when we landed in Vegas, bro, I was like a nun factor, bro, and I get it because Jay Wall is my boy and he was number one pick, so a lot of the, all of the attention was on him, which is cool, but like, that first game I get in, bro, that first quarter, I think, I scored like four baskets straight. Did not play the next, that whole game or the next two, three games at all. Not one minute. Did they ever tell you why? You no, know, they never told me why, but a random dude came out the stands and was like, bro, you know why they did that to you, right? He was like, because, you know, they invested a lot of money into dude and they don't they don't want you to no. be trying to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, top Yeah. I'll definitely so, see that. It's politics of the NBA. And it's, it's funny you bring that up. I remember, I don't know how long ago, I remember watching an interview of you in the, the draft process, and you were talking about how at Cal, 
you had a role to mm-hmm. be a scorer. Yeah. And like the NBA shouldn't look at you as only a scorer. You can facilitate it too. Yeah. And you were like, I'm just playing my role in college. I don't have to be that player in the NBA. And that kind of makes me think yeah. you were going through all of that where you were trying not to be too much of a scoring yeah, yeah. guard and all that. Because, I mean, it messed with your mind when you're 20 years old and it's like, dude, I come into college and my coaches told me, yo, we need you to score basketball, bro. I'm going to try to perfect that. Yeah. Right. Be scoring. But little do they not know is that – Bro, I led the Pac-10 in assists yeah, right. my junior year. Right. And I was top two in scoring behind James Harden. Yeah. So it's like, it was more so hype and hype and all of that other shit. Like, but at the end of the day, dog, like, people want you to be the player that they want you to be, and which is fine. But, you know, just because I'm a point guard and I can score better than a lot of scores that y'all have, that don't mean I ain't a point guard. Yeah. I just mean I know how to score as a point guard. You feel me? Yeah, Darren right. Collison was named probably top three point guard in the country. Yeah. And I led in assists. Yeah. Like, right. you feel me? Like, I led in assists. Or well, they had a better team, yes, because they had a better coach. They had a better system. They had, you know what right. I'm saying? I led in, in assists. Yeah. I just know how to score better than him. Right. And I was, you know, and I was dishing it out. So it's like, they didn't, I, to me, I was just so confused, bro. And, you know, I just got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I, I can't deal with all the, the politics behind this shit. Man. Right. Then I went to Summer League two, three times, and it was the same shit. So, like, fuck it. And then you watch the games today where point guards get free reign to score and everything. You think if, if you would have came along today, a few yeah, years later, bro, you, you'd be on. comfortably in the league That's right what now? I, like, bro, I, bro, you too. But, like, the last two years I play NBA teams in the preseason. Yeah. Oh, I, I do damage, bro. Like, I don't care what level I'm on, bro. I'm going to be me. Yeah. Right? Right. Ain't nobody stopping me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. I just don't believe that. Period. Like, I work too hard to feel somebody can just stop me. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a team effort. That's just my mentality. That's that Chicago Southside shit. And it's just going to be like that until I say I don't want to play basketball no more. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. I mean, how the game is played, shout out to Isaiah Thomas because he's the – Main reason why the league is smaller now. Had he not done what he done, you wouldn't see a Tyler Eulis. You wouldn't see none of them other cats. Yeah. Right. He's the reason. Yeah. You feel me? So Definitely. Yeah. So how did you eventually end up overseas? Like after this whole NBA trying to get in the league and everything? Shit just didn't over? work out. Like, you know what I'm saying? After them two summer leagues. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was all it was more disappointing because people looked at me like I was a bust. Yeah which was hurtful because I never shied away from, like nothing never rattled me as far as basketball, bro. Like big stages was who I was. But when you got your career and everything that you dreamed of as a kid right in front of you, only thing you can think about is not making mistakes. So you listening to the people that supposedly got your back, but they telling you the wrong shit. You know what I'm saying? So I was totally confused and I was just not, I wasn't myself. So that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But now, like, people finesse the shit out the game. Like, yeah. bro, you can get in the NBA based off a of highlight tape. Yeah. yeah. That's facts. You yeah, know what I'm saying? No, based off of one dunk. That's a fact. And how many followers you got. Like, you get in the NBA off that. Like, bro, we had to get in the NBA and get to where we are off of going to the best tournaments and, and going to work. Yeah. That's how we was getting ranked. Like, you know what I'm saying, Sharon? We'll see Sharon in the uh, hotel and be like, like, bro, how y'all do? He was like, man, I just killed Ty Wallace. I mean, Ty, um, Ty Lawson. Yeah. Right. You feel me? So they just, man, yeah, they just ranked me uh, above him. Like, that's what, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. That's that's how it was. Like, you had to go up against the best dudes. And then you, we go back into the hotel late at night and we all get on this little ass computer and go on the internet and see what schools liked us. Like, right. that's how it was. You feel me? But we had to grind for that shit. Now it's so easy, man. Like, it's crazy how it is right now. I hate the game right now. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. It's soft as hell. Now, you have played a lot of places. You've played in Ukraine, yep. Belgium, Turkey, Germany. All over Europe. 
Yeah. What is your favorite part about the overseas experience, and what is a part you really just don't like at all about it? I didn't like uh, Europe at all, like, not even a little bit. Really? Oh, Australia? Or, Australia or was the only place that I really, really liked. Okay, Lithuania, mm-hmm. First, I won my first championship there. The reason why I like Lithuania is because I had a lot of older players on the court uh, on my team. And them dudes was, was filthy, like rich. Like all them dudes was national team players, and they didn't have an ego to say they like. Right. They saw a young, talented dude come in there, and bro, they let me play. Like it was the players yeah. going to the coach and was like, "Man, y'all need to. If we want to win a championship, you gotta let Jerome beat Jerome." Right. And bro, like the players went to the coach and told him that we won a championship. Yeah. You feel me? Like any other place. Was very unprofessional. Wasn't paying. Like I lost so much money in Europe for teams signing me to nice contracts and not paying. Three months wow. behind on on uh, payments. Wow. Like all that shit. Like you lose a game, you gotta <laughs> you gotta worry about getting cut. Like you know what I'm saying? Like wow. it was that serious. First year, second year, fourth, fifth, sixth, until I went to Australia. Australia was the only place that. I stayed for a full season. Right. Europe, I've never been able to stay on a team for full season because being in America, if you work hard, you get your money. Right. I didn't understand going to practice twice a day and I'm waiting for my check for two months. Yeah, yeah, that don't make sense. Bro, I'm from Chicago. I'm not going to shut up about that. I'm going to the office like, bro, I got a family to take care of. Are y'all right. paying today? Right. I'm not paying. I'm not playing. Right. I'm here to play and get paid, bro. Like, what are you on? Yeah, like, no, definitely. No, they didn't like. I was a problem for them. Like, you know, what I'm saying I was a problem. I was, you know, a head case because of that alone. So I got a bad rap because I would never allow them to not pay me. You know, when you want me to be on time, you know, two times a day, right? And I don't get my money for two months, and then when you finally pay, you pay half of it. So. You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't, I had all these, you know, like, ways of how I was going to save my money. You know what I'm saying? I was going to put this money away, you know, in a savings account, and I'm going to spend this. Like, everything was just off of whack. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. I could never save the money that I needed to save because the motherfuckers weren't paying. Yeah. Right, right. You feel me? So yeah. early on in my career, I'm like, God damn, like, this shit is irritating. I don't want to yeah. deal with this. Like, it was 10 months, and it was a headache, bro, so... Once I got to Australia, it was it was great. Like good living, yeah. good weather. You was getting your money on time. Like right. it was just great. And NBL is one of the better leagues too. So yeah, I know you're getting time. good bump. And, and all it was that. like it, the and basketball you, you won that you want to play. An MVP out there, yeah, right? Twice. Right, two MVPs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tough league, bro. Is there anybody that you've played professionally? in your time overseas, anything like that? Because we were talking about the politics of the NBA. And, like, of course, besides yourself, is there anybody that, like, you've seen overseas that you just think is definitely should be in the league that you played against or played with on the same team? I can't. They be having some crazy-ass <laughs> names, dog. Like, the European dudes be Konokovic and all this other crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember the names, bro, but it's a lot of cold players over there in Europe, bro. Like, man. Them dudes can hoop, bro. The best players is not the fastest or the most athletic. Yeah. They the smartest. As you see him with like a guy like Luka Doncic right now. You feel yeah. me? Like for someone a shorty, he's a shorty. Yeah. To come to the best league in the world and say, it's easy to score yeah. in right. the NBA. And everybody know he said that. And he still destroyed. Forty five <laughs> on the Clippers. Yeah. You feel me? It's like game. that's because of how hard it is, like it's very hard to to play in Europe. Like that shit is not easy. People don't understand how tough basketball is over there. Yeah. You think that just because it's not the United States that you're gonna go to Europe and you about to just destroy, bro? It ain't like that. Right. Like you feel me? Like them dudes is really over there playing hard, like playing yeah. for their life. You feel me? And so and they start off younger over there yeah, too. Yeah, they pro start up. young, man. And them dudes picking you up full court, like yeah. diving for balls, like knocking down every open shot. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. thinking the game. So I've learned how to play a structured game 
and still be myself at the same time yeah. playing in Europe. You know, so it's a lot of bad, bad, bad dudes over there, bro. Last year in the NBL, did you get hurt before you had a chance to play against Lamelo or RJ Hampton? Did you play? No, nah, I played them? against both of them. Okay, what did you what did you think of them being two guys? They got in the lottery this year, two you mm-hmm. know eighteen year olds. What you think? Coming straight out of high school to come play over there with you? Well, RJ, I like RJ. I had a conversation with him, and I told him that he needs to start taking more chances. Uh, he played too timid, like, but his talent is obviously unmatched. Like, he, he's a big guard, he's athletic, he's fast, he can shoot, you know what I'm saying? But he plays too timid at times. Okay. And I think that had a lot to do with the team and the coach taking him out for every mistake and shit like that. So I can understand that. Like, I had those moments when I played, you know, like that in Europe, things like that. So. But I think he, you know, on the right team, if you're around a lot of good vets and not one of them young teams, I think he'd be able to flourish and to be a great point guard. Right. You know what I'm saying? Kids like that, you want them to be around veterans yeah. right. and not a team full of young dudes right. because they all have to get the same thing. Right. You know, So I hope he land with some older dudes that will teach him the way and, and, and teach him how to be a real professional. Was it LaMelo? LaMelo, LaMelo yeah. Ball. When I first saw the kid – um, when he had scored that uh, 90 or something. Yeah, he was at high school. I like, was not a big fan, like not right. even close. I thought he was terrible for the game because of how he went about the 90 points. Right. Like, not sticking defense. Cherry pick. Cherry pick the whole game. Half court shot. You know what I'm saying? Man. Shit like that. Like, I was like, come on, that shit is trash. Right. Like, you played in our era, that, that would never happen. But the right. game is totally different. Right. You feel me? To allow somebody to do that. Our coaches would never allow us to do that shit. You feel me? So I wasn't a fan, you know, but, you know, he started to get older, like he started to mature, you know, uh, he wasn't doing a lot of, you know, dumb stuff that he was doing. And I actually like his game. I think he's a good talent. I told him the same thing, though. Like, you, I told, I actually told him after the game we beat them, where uh, Aaron Brooks was on the team, too. I played against both of them, and we ended up beating them at their house. Right. And uh, and I told him after the game because his uh his dude came up to me too, and I was like, "Sure, you gotta be more aggressive to score too," right. because he's so nice with reading the game like his brother. Yeah, his feel right. for the game is crazy. His feel for the game is on yeah. another level. Like Shorty see everything. Yeah. You feel me? But the thing is that it's like that's all he see. Right. And you really can like the way he pushed the ball. Bro, you, you create havoc on the offensive end like that, like they can't. Well, you're going to be hard to, to, to guard. Right. But he looked to, to pass every single time, which is fine. That's cool. Like, I just told him, bro, you would be like, I told him, like, bro, if you was coming downhill on me, like, I can't stop that shit. Because he's like, legit like 6'6". Six, six. You 6'6". Six, six. And right. I told him, I, I basically gave him a blueprint of how to, but you obviously got to guard me on the other end. Like, <laughs> right. And I know my strength. Like, I'm going right. to get 27-30 for sure. Right. But, yeah, I told him, bro, I'm like, bro, you you good, bro. Like, you just got to start attacking people on the offensive end, too, because you know the game. Like, he read the game well, man. So, you know, I, I like his game, man. I, I think he, I think he's going to do well in the NBA, actually. I talked about you getting hurt, obviously, yeah. and you tore your ACL this past March, right? Yeah. So how the recovery been going as far as that? It's been cool. Like, uh, let's piggyback on what I said earlier when we first started, man. COVID has been, as much as I don't like what's going on, uh, it's helped me because yeah. nobody's been playing a game anyway. Like, so kind of gave me, you know, an opportunity to just continue to just get healthy and, you know, everybody basically pushed a – you know, they seize his back a little bit. So, you know, I just fall right into the cracks, man. Be ready to go, you know. But it's going well, man. It's that fear factor of never really getting hurt, you know, just hoping that you the same, you know. But I don't have those thoughts in my head no more because I honestly feel that 33, I'm going to be better than I was before. Definitely. It's just, that's just being honest. How much yeah. longer do you, like, envision yourself playing? Do you put a cap on yourself or is it? I do. I do. Uh, I don't want to play no more than three more years. Three more? Yeah, just three more. Why is that? The I love what I'm doing, man. I love, I mean, when you get momentum and, like, building and 
I mean, you got to go for five, six, seven, eight months. Like, yeah. I feel like you lose momentum. Like, I don't want to yeah. lose momentum, bro. Like, I'm really good at what I do. Like, <laughs> teaching shorties, yeah. bro. Like, right. for real. Like, and the thing where I put myself over a lot is because what I'm teaching is something that I've done. Like, I'm not teaching you no shit that I can't do. Right. Like, you feel me? Like, I'm teaching you something that I've probably done on your favorite player. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of that, of being, you know, a learning and being around a lot of great, you know, um, trainers like Jordan Lawley and and, um, and Phil Handy and, yeah, and a lot of guys that. like that. So, it's like, you know, I, I, I study a lot of those guys, man. I pick up on things and, you know, I just, but I try to do things my own way. Like, I feel like I train different than everybody else. So, right. that's just me and, you know, I like what I'm doing and, I, think, I know it's going to be, you know, successful, you know, so I'm trying to build right now as I'm still playing. So when I finish, man, there's no drop off. Yeah, I feel like I remember watching when you first did your open your lug, luggage challenge. Yeah, yeah. You were on IG doing the different, like, dribble combinations. Yeah. The kids all, you know, chiming in, doing it to try to yeah. win. I don't mm-hmm. know if people saw, but on Instagram, Jerome did a, a dribbling challenge where you go and you do the dribbling challenge, and if you do it, better or cleaner than them when you know five hundred dollars you know so we did three of them and uh the fourth one coming up in like another week so okay coming up with another one man i just it was fun man i just did something just to do it and that shit ended up going viral man and (laughs) i figured out a way to like have them go live for the like the the last round like the championship round and it was pretty dope like the third one was pretty dope so definitely and so like with your training and everything, of course, it brings different types of kids from different yeah. types of backgrounds. I saw recently you had Josh Christopher was yeah. in here working out for you. How did yeah. that come about? Uh, me and his brother went to college together. Oh, where he's his so, older brother, yeah. Yeah, so okay. me and him, like, that's like that's my little brother. Okay. Been knowing him fuck, since he was seven, <laughs> right, six or some shit. Like, yeah. You feel me? And for him to grow up to be who he is right now, I mean, that just shows hard work and yeah. dedication. You know what I'm saying? So... I know he gonna be another level because he already another level. So, you know, the fact that he, you know, continued to drive, he drove out all the way out here just to train, you know, with with his bro, like, you know what I'm saying? That that says a lot, you know, and um hey man, I'm just trying to continue to build, man, and, and just keep doing what I'm doing. But he's he a great talent, bro. He's legit. Yeah. Really legit. Speaking we talking about him and we were talking about the league earlier. How, how much of the NBA do you keep up with nowadays? Like, do you just check in every now and then, or do you, do you I watch, have a follower? I don't. I never watch a game. You don't watch a game? No, I don't watch games. Only playoffs. Okay. Uh, I watch highlights, uh, and I follow my boys. Like, uh, I follow Pat because yeah, you know I, I talk to Pat a lot. When Pat Isaiah, Beverly, right? Yeah, Pat yeah. Bev. Uh, when Isaiah was playing, you know. Um, I follow him all the time. Yeah, just people like that, bro. Like, but I never, man, in ten years, bro, I probably never watched the watch the NBA game. Just probably go look at the highlights. I heard something. I will probably go check it out, see the game highlights and player highlights, and you know, just pick up on things that you know I like. Yeah. You know, watch uh, Kimber Walker. I like Kimber Walker. You know things like that. So, yeah, but the playoffs, I probably watching games here and there. Finals for sure. Cause that's when I feel like they play hard. All right. All right. If you had to pick a team that you've seen in the playoffs, who do you think is going to come out of the bubble? It's set up for the Lakers to win. Okay. <laughs> okay. You think the Lakers go? You think Lakers? Lakers going to win because I feel like it is set up. For me. <laughs> okay. I just that's just how I feel. LeBron is the face. And they don't want that man keep losing in the finals, man. <laughs> you know, so they're going to make sure that man get get his fourth ring and, you know, and now he'll be, go down as the only player in history to win a championship on, like, three different teams. Yeah. And, you know, so I want the Clippers to win because of my boy. I want him to get him a championship. I think he deserve it coming from where we come from. Uh I think he'd probably be the only dude. I mean, D-Wade, but he don't really come back like that. 
And Pat, he he's somebody who, who really had to like fight for his spot to get yeah, to where he is. For all that, man. I mean, he was in that class. Yeah. So that that class was just straight grinders, bro. Like so, to see him just playing and on the court, like to me, like that's another level, man. I'm proud of dude. So it don't matter really what anybody try to say about him, because at the end of the day, bro, everything that he has right now is from hard work. Yeah. So you can't like you can't deny anything that he does. Yeah. But he get thirty something, almost forty million dollars off of hard work and just toughness. Yeah. Period. So, say what you want. Like a lot of people don't. He won. He won already. He already won. Yeah. So he got got that that check, man. Yeah, he got that, bag. Yeah. That contract. All right. I got a couple other questions that probably everybody want to know, but I need to hear your favorite Coach Sanders story. Mm-hmm. Hell's. We get to the Chicago centric part of the show. Yo, right? you know, I had to ask you, somebody I played for, and definitely. If, when I think of Coach Sanders, to be honest, bro, mind you, every class, first class of the day, is always Coach Sanders. Yeah, like them poems, everything. You know so, bro, I was coming. I always came to his class late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about 20, 30 minutes, because my mom ended up moving us out to Linwood. So, bro, I had to lead to Linwood all the way to 40 something and bro it was a it was a journey man so <laughs> just that walk to my seat like you know what I'm saying <laughs> every morning and he just be looking and he don't say nothing cause I was his boy <laughs> you know what I'm saying and he always talk about me like in his class positively uh, but one thing I can remember about him is that when we was playing is be like, get the fuck out the way and just get Jerome the ball. Ten flat. Ten flat. <laughs> ten fl- I knew you were going to say ten flat. Flatten out. Flatten out. He was like, and he wouldn't care about telling Coach London. He was like, just get a kid the fucking ball. <laughs> Nobody can fucking guard him. Just move. Ten flat. You get over there. And I, I go to work. Yeah, I go to flat, work. Everybody move on that base. Just get the fuck out the way. And yeah, that was it. But I do have one other story. I, Hales tried to make you play two sports. All right? So when I was in high school, they tried to, they said you had to play two sports. So I was the big Allen Iverson fan. So I'm like, you know what? Allen Iverson played football. I'm going to go play football. <laughs> Listen to me. Hales, the most cheapest high school probably in history. Oh, yeah. Bro, so I ended up going out for football. I made the team. And... They didn't have pads. <laughs> so they was like cutting pads in half and like, nah. I'm sitting there like, I didn't think I was going to get in the game. Sanders was the head coach. He put me in the game, kickoff return. I'm nervous. I'm skinny, small, little as hell. I'm in the back. They about to kick the ball. I'm like, please don't let this ball come to me. Please don't let it. Bro, that shit came straight to me. You hear me? Bro, that shit was in the air. I see these big ass. They was close as hell. I'm like, how the fuck they get down here so fast? So I'm waiting for the ball. I'm scared. Bro, I moved out the way. The ball <laughs> hit my leg. They fucking recovered it. Yeah, they get a touchback. They got a touchdown. Oh, Coach Sanders oh, say, get your motherfucking ass off my field during the game. My mama got on camera too. <laughs> and that was my that was my football uh career. Like, so I remember him just cursing me out. Like, when I ended up going out for track, and he was the track coach, too. Like, he was like everything. Yes, he coached everything. He yeah, track yeah. coach, football, <laughs> basketball. He, he was assistant coach on varsity for basketball. Yeah, all that shit. And track. Yep. Oh, one more thing. So, you recently went into the Ring of Honor for the Cal Berkeley yeah, Pac 12, Pac 10. Yeah. Talk about that and how being recognized for the four years that you put in there, how, how did that feel? That's crazy. It's crazy, man. I never really got a chance to appreciate that, to be honest, bro. Like, that's a big honor, man. That's a lot of great players playing the pack. Like, yeah. I am all of, but basically all of honors of, you know what I'm saying? Pac-10 right. is a basketball player, and I couldn't make it in Vegas. 
uh, what was they in Vegas at the time? And fucking Chauncey Billups was there. And damn, like that would have been dope to just come and accept that. And here he is, years, years later, and I'm only 10 years out, and he's been probably 16, 17, 18 now, and I'm already in there, so. Right. I don't know, man. Like, I just, I don't know, man. Just look at it like I've, people appreciate what I did and want to, you know, you know, honor me for it, you know. So, uh, big accomplishment for me. Uh, I'm sure down the line I'll be able to appreciate it more, but. You know, during the season, I never really got a chance to really appreciate it. I don't even have the plaque for it. Wow. Yeah, I never really got it. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, man. That's that's pretty dope. A lot of people don't even get that. Yeah, definitely. And just like thinking of something like that, and then everywhere you've been throughout your basketball life, pretty much like from Chicago to Cal to Europe, yeah. Australia, summer league, all this stuff. Like, did you ever think when you were younger that this is where basketball would eventually take you to all of these different places? Or? No. I didn't think nothing else but the NBA, bro. Like, I didn't – oh, I'm still, like, pissed about that. <laughs> I can't lie to you. No, I feel because, you. Because, bro, a lot of people, a lot of these NBA dudes, they that knows me, like, they respect me, bro. And I don't know, man. I just don't understand this shit, but it's – you know, it just – it is what it is, but – I put a lot of that frustration and energy into these kids, to be honest. So, like, little mistakes that I wish I knew, like, I try to make sure I, I teach them about that. So, maybe it wasn't my calling. Maybe my calling was to make sure kids like this get the opportunity that I didn't get. Yeah. You feel me? Had I been knowledgeable about, you know, the politics and the game itself and, you know, how the business worked, then I'm sure I probably would have been in there. You know, if I didn't let my pride get in the way of with a lot of things, I probably would have been in there, you know. So I allowed a lot of things to happen because I was ignorant and not, I wasn't knowledgeable because I'm from Chicago. I didn't have no man figure in my life. I didn't have someone that wanted to do something for me because just out of the kindness of their heart. Like it was because of a reason they wanted to do it. You feel me? So it hurt. Like, and it's a lot of kids that it, it's happening to right now. Yeah. It happened to them right now because People have their own interior motives behind why they want to do this or give kids some shoes or look out for them. So just do it for the kid. Like, you feel me? Like, me personally, I got to work hard regardless. I can't live off another one yeah. or my kid or anything like that. So it's for my kids to enjoy the fruits of their labor and, you know, and the hard work that they put in. And people don't understand. One last thing, like, you, you spoke about, like you say it eats at you a little bit, but you've also spoken about how when you hear guys like Isaiah Thomas or Darren Collison tell you about how you were like rough nights for them or they looked at your game and it, it pushed them to be better. Does that give you comfort at any type of level that even if I didn't make it to the league, these guys who did make it and played, they know the type of work that I put in. They know how good I am. A little bit, though. Yeah. A little bit. It's good to hear, bro. Like, because Isaiah Thomas <laughs> said it in front of like a lot of kids yeah. that he looked up to me, you know, um, in college. I never knew that, like, because we never, ever spoke. Like, we was at each other. Like, the dude was really, really fucking good, bro. He was good, so, and I was doing a Zoom call. Uh, Me and my boy, we did this virtual Zoom, uh, Hell Week, and it just went viral, bro. We had Paralympics, wheelchair basketball, who's never walked in their life like yeah we, we, we are training them virtually like, i've never imagined doing anything like that it's yeah, the fucking right. best experience i ever had in my life just to see people that can't walk and they they didn't want us to make excuses for them like you feel me like they were doing every fucking thing that we was doing yeah i'm like man y'all can y'all do push-ups because we was doing like upper body lower body ball handling it was just an hour full of just like hell and they was doing all then we had uh, the deaf, deaf community, like, you know, and just to see their attention to detail, like these kids that can hear and talk, they wasn't doing none of this. Like they, they didn't, you know what I'm saying? And here right. we go with people that can't even hear, and they were spot on everything, bro. Like right. spot on everything. And um, so we came up with an idea, like on the weekend. Let's get some of our boys, NBA dudes, to come on the Zoom 
Let's get everybody who participated to be able to ask these questions and shit. Yeah. Isaiah came on, and um, Pat ended up coming on for the Paralympics, and he talked to them, and you feel me? And he he said that in front of all the kids, and I never even knew that. So yeah, it gives me comfort to to know that, even though I already know that I'm yeah. supposed to be there. Thanks. But we appreciate you for coming on this episode, taking the time out to, to chop it up with us. Yeah, that's cool. Man, I make appreciate sure, that. Make sure you follow us at the Elite Media Group underscore on Twitter, at RNC Radio Live on Twitter, at Play for Keeps Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, we're out.